Welcome to the Rise to Change podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Scani. And I'm your host, Marcela Torres Noguera. We are mental health professionals with a private practice in New York City. And guess what? We're not only partners in business, but also in life. This podcast explores the everyday struggles of working professionals in New York City that we've seen throughout our combined 25 years of experience in the field and as well as in our personal lives. Our motto is to normalize, not minimize. On today's episode, we're going to talk about who we are, how we got here, and the idea that we had to start this podcast to share just more resources about wellness, about just different options that we have as professionals in this city to feel more fulfilled and hopefully happier. Awesome. Well, let's let's get to it. I think before we start, uh, let's kind of like hear about your wealth of experience and uh, what uh, kind of like, who are you? Tell us about you, Marcela. Sure. So I basically moved to New York City when I was in my early 20s. And I moved here with basically my goal was to pursue my master's degree. And I did that. But in the, in, you know, my idea was to maybe go back to my country. I'm actually, I'm Colombian, I'm Colombian from South America. And, um, that's kind of like why I came and I had some family in New York City and then eventually, Things started happening. I got a job in my field while I was going to school, and then I just ended up kind of like extending, extending my stay here, and then it's been almost 20 years. When you say the things, uh, then things started happening and everything, uh, it wasn't always a smooth ride. Kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure kind of like you ran into some obstacles there, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and which... That's also the reason why kind of like we want to help people, right? Uh, the professionals. Sure. So, yes, definitely. I mean, just the experience of, you know, coming to the U.S. and sort of like changing my life was a very big transition, to say the least. But also, I mean, just a, a little bit about, I guess, going back a little more, you know, growing up, I did have in my family a few family members that struggle with mental illness mm-hmm. and also physical illness. So, you know, firsthand in my family, we did go through a lot of loss and grief just related to having those experiences. And I think that definitely was what inspired me to oh. pursue a career in psychology. I did feel that if some of my family members or if we as a family would have had more supports that, you know, the outcomes could have been better for a lot of my family members. Sure, sure. And you and you bring up a very good point. And I'm, I'm not sure that we can speak about Colombia as a as a whole, but I can tell you where I'm from. I grew up in, in Italy uh, looking for help, reaching out for help. It was frowned upon when I was growing up and still frowned upon today. And what you're saying, it still happens to be true, even for people who I see in the practice today that it's hard to recognize that we need to reach for help that's yeah. why we're doing this right to to help people was there any any kind of like defining moment you think that changed the direction of your life in that respect or professional career in in that respect was there anything that that did it like meeting someone or a specific course that you took that kind of like hey this is what i want to do well, yes, but back in Colombia, I did I did take uh, a couple of classes. I am very passionate about family therapy. Okay. And I took a couple of classes with like a specific professor that she was, you know, she's still somebody that I'm in contact with and she, awesome. she's like my mentor. I 
I just felt very passionate about the whole idea about working with families and that's that started there. And then when I got here, I was able to go to the Ackerman Institute for the Family and I studied there as well about family therapy. So kind of like I brought that with me. And I was also fortunate enough that my first job here was working with families, you know, in their settings. So mm-hmm. going to their homes. Doing home visits. Doing home visits. What and, is known uh, in the field as home visits for all, <laughs> yes. for all of you social workers out there, you know it. Yes. So that was really, I mean, that experience was very, very powerful because I was able to actually, you know, have have that fortune almost really, if I think about it now, to learn as I was kind of like learning the ropes of doing the work, but really trying to reach out families in their own environments and, you know, having that ability to go into their homes was a very humbling experience. Like I And and one of the things that I want to highlight here, knowing you, is the fact that you also went through a moment where your credentials coming from Colombia, you studied over there, right? You got a degree over there, but then you you came here, you were going to pursue one type of degree, right? And then something changed. Why don't you tell us, why don't you describe what happened there? Yeah, so basically, I when I came to the States, my idea was to pursue a master's in psychology because my, my bachelor's was in psychology, and that was kind of like what I thought was the next step. But then... When I got to the States, you know, I did have to find more information, first of all, about what it meant to just have my degrees accepted here mm-hmm. and how to do right. that, right? Which I, I guess it's, you know, it's one thing that I do share with some of the clients that have been through these experiences right. that it's kind of like, you know, do I have the right credentials? Can right. I start working in my field? So that was definitely part of it. And then I also... I mean, I was, I'm very grateful now that I look back. I did encounter a couple of people in my journey. One of them was a supervisor and one of them was also a mentor that I had for many years. They basically explained to me that for what I wanted to do, which was to eventually open my private practice, I just needed to get in a degree in social work Mm -hmm. was really like clinical social work is really, you know, one way uh, in which you can pursue that and I had no idea in Colombia that's not how how it is. Well, so you it's thought adapting. that you were done with in yeah. a way, or at least that that you got that out. And that's that that's important because there's a lot of professionals out there who struggle with this. They have been in the field for some time, and then they decide maybe to take it to the next level, or at least that's what they want to do. And they struggle with the fact, hey, kind of like, do I have the right credentials? And and for for you know. Kind of like that could be that could be really kind of like a reason to lose motivation because you may not have the financial resources, you may not have the time, right? Yeah. So in a way, I'm sure that must have been a factor for you, and that brings us to the fact that everybody who moves to the city, they do that generally speaking for a couple of reasons: uh, either they are pursuing an education, or they are pursuing a career, or they're pursuing both, or they want to explore. But generally speaking, kind of like I never hear anybody saying, "I've moved here to meet the perfect person." There's always some type of like growth, whether it's professional mm-hmm. or in terms of education. Yeah. Right? So, but with growth. There comes a lot of kind of struggles and a lot of things that I think are unique to our city. 
Thank you. This is so. From, why don't you share with us a little bit about your own? Oh, your it was a smooth ride. It was. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I uh, moved to New York uh, 25 years ago from Italy, and I got my undergrad in uh, psychology. My goal back then was to pursue a career in law enforcement, and uh, and then I got my my masters. I was, uh, but I didn't want to sit idle and I wanted to uh, practice and hone my skills, my counseling skills, my interviewing skills. So I got a job out there in the the heart of the South Bronx. And uh, that was a life-changing moment for me because uh, when I was going through that experience, it was the first time in my life that I struggled. I burned out. And I will talk a little bit more about burnout because it applies not just to social work or counseling, but to a lot of other professions out there. And in burning out, I also found myself in, in a situation where I was confused. I'm like, maybe I've chosen the wrong career. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of like uh, my degree is not enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. I thought that I was good enough. I spiraled out of control. It affected my body physically. Someone suggested that I look for help. And in doing that, I reached out for a therapist. And I was able to do a little bit of work and realize that, in fact, I needed to slow down and reassess certain things, catch up with my sleep. And also, we're going to talk about that. Right. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that I chose the wrong career. It's just that I was also maybe working in a little bit of a toxic environment. And uh, I also needed to maybe change and, and get a different type of credentials. Because mm-hmm. I, back then, by the way, talking about life defining moments, when I was working as a case planner, that was, that's kind of like it's common. And if you're not familiar with social work, it's still true now, nowadays that you start in a position as a, as a case planner or a case manager. And, uh, and that's how I started. And I happened to do short term assessment. I, I used to interview teenagers who had been through rough moments, difficult times. And, uh, one of those teenagers really kind of like uh, changed my life because uh, she confided in me. She uh, described a, a situation where she was being abused. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. And, and I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I remember taking uh, for, all of, for all of you Yankee Yankees fans, I was working by Yankee Stadium. And I remember after working that day, it was a summer day taking the, the, the six train back to the city. And, and I remember thinking, well, maybe, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I kind of like, this is what I'm really good at. That involved a lot of changing, uh, you know, credentials and, and thinking about things. So that's uh, pretty much uh, how it went. But did that mean that, so, so you had to go back to school? I eventually, yes, I went back to school. I went back to school and I pursued a degree that would allow me to become, have my private practice and have more flexibility in terms of career, uh, which nowadays that's, that's kind of like what I see a lot of people getting stuck. Well, maybe kind of like that. I think that's a perfect segue. Talking a little bit about professionals in the city, what are they struggling with? So, I mean, in my experience, one one thing that I'm seeing a lot more frequently lately is a lot of professionals struggling with social isolation, mm-hmm. right? We have been, I mean, it's been two years where a lot of changes have happened. A lot of people, you know, were working from home, we are still working from home, but there was also kind of like this limitation to socialize in some way. And now people are trying to transition back to that. But a lot of professionals that I'm seeing, you know, have felt pretty isolated yep. for an extended period of time. And that affects, you know, your mental health in different ways, mm-hmm. right? We, 
I think, you know, sometimes we don't realize how much maybe, you know, like having that drink after work with our coworkers meant, yeah. right, or, or means for our well-being and kind of like a sense of balance or just grabbing dinner with a friend because you both kind of like in around the same time and you can have a conversation and catch up, right? I was so, going to say that now people will grab a drink while they're working because you're not in an <laughs> office, right? Yes. Which uh, that's the other thing that we've seen an uptick uh, uh, and a dramatically increase in the use of alcohol and drug abuse. That's kind of like it's a it's a big issue, um, you know, kind of like that we're, we're facing. But please yeah. continue. But so, so the social isolation definitely, and also that has created social anxiety going back to or trying to go back to kind of like what our social life used to be like or something similar to what it was, right? Mm -hmm. So just people that are starting to thinking about dating, but maybe not relying only on apps for dating, right? right? So kind of like, what, where do I meet people? And yeah. That kind of thing, well, which is nowadays everything is done through an app. Yeah. Right? If if you walk into a bar or somewhere, kind of like there's people that who are probably who probably kind of like organized and pre-planned, and they're there for for reasons. Unless they're tourists, but even kind of like you see you see a lot of people just relying on on an app. Yeah. Even for friendships, like I I do I do have a few clients that are kind of like you know I do need to I know that you know I I do need to make more. Like I need to enrich my social yeah, life, network, yeah. but uh, you know, where do you, where do I meet friends? Especially, I guess when you are kind of like you know over twenty five, it starts getting kind of like more limited in a way, or at least Absolutely. that's how people feel, right? So that's that's a big one, I would say. The social isolation. Um, I think you spoke some of the effects of, of isolation, but um, are there kind of like things that you see? in terms of like the career, how that, that is affecting the person's perception of their career path. I yeah. also kind of like want to share a little bit about my experience. Sure, sure. That. I mean, I think that, you know, people have been working maybe longer hours, right? And mm -hmm. and for many people, home has become their office as well. So kind right. of like having those breaks, even if it's during a commute that you kind of like have a break to read a book or yeah. kind of like, I don't know, listen to your music or something like that. Like those things have really been limited for a lot of people and they don't realize that the, that those breaks are not there anymore. So then as you were saying, and I know you're going to say more about burnout, but definitely kind of like not realizing that in losing some of those possibilities, we kind of like start... I mean, our body reacts to it. Right. So you see, you know, you see people that are having a lot of trouble sleeping mm -hmm. at times mm -hmm. and just, you know, we're not moving as much, right? Exactly. So it's kind of like not only, I mean, some people are worried about like changes in their weight, but also, mm -hmm. you know, physically, like, you know, we're not as active. And in New Yorkers, we're pretty active, right? Like we're used to walking around and like... I mean, I've had more than one of my clients telling me, hey, I don't feel I'm ready to go to the office because I've gained weight and I don't have anything that fits. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I want to go maybe one day a week or, you know, that's the other thing. It's kind of like, how do you make sense of that? One of the things that what I see a lot and it has to do with what you mentioned, not moving enough or kind of like having working like remotely, is that the burnout goes like this. Lots of people uh, go directly from 
let's say they start working at a specific time, 8 a.m., and they maybe they have a quick lunch, if that, because depending on, on the type of job that they do, and then automatically they get to 5 p.m., and guess what? The only thing separating them from the rest of the responsibilities is a door, and they used to be that commute that, that you spoke about. Right. So kind of like automatically, I have a number of clients who tell me like, I self-care and I do this and I do that, but it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, and eventually you do a little bit of digging, you find out this is, there's only a door separating that person from, let's say, the person may be a parent or the person may have other responsibilities. And there's never a moment to kind of like, there's never a buffer. Mm-hmm. And and what I, I like to work with clients on, that's that's the thing. First, acknowledge the fact that there's no buffer, but there used to be. Even though it was just a commute, even though it was like 10 minutes where you could maybe listen to a podcast like this one or <laughs> kind of read a book, right? That's gone, right? And that's true for a lot of people. So that's one of the things that I see a lot. And uh, what? so in other words, it's the burnout, but it's burnout because boundaries, as we call in the field, have disappeared. There's no longer boundaries, Right. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the personal becomes your, 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 your kind of like professional and they're all blended together. And people are having a difficult time because then kind of like, again, the anxiety, the depression, the substance abuse, the isolation, the not having enough support. Are there other things that, for example, one of the things that uh, I know you work with couples and, and I, I think that you know, I mean, I, I hate to bring the pandemic here, but the pandemic has caused a lot of changes, right? Sure. Not just to working remote, but yeah. what have you seen, like in terms of like changes or in terms of issues that people are struggling with, couples are struggling with? Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think that, you know, a lot of couples have had to, a lot of them have had to spend a lot of more time together, right? <laughs> right? And sometimes, you know, that can create definitely some disagreements or frictions that, you know, when you have, I mean, in couples having, you know, your me time right. or your own space is healthy, right? We know that, but under certain circumstances of what has been happening um, throughout the pandemic is that, you know, a lot of those spaces changed right. for couples as well, right? So that's one. So kind of like having to spend more time together and kind of like not knowing how to do that because we never, maybe, you know, we never before had to spend as much time with our partners than if we were confined or we were kind of like working all from home or, and at the same time, of course, you know, we have, we have couples that have kids already. So they're also parenting Mm -hmm. and kind of like facing some of the challenges of, Parenting together, maybe, you know, when one of the partners was the one that maybe assumed that role in a more... Assertive. Yeah, I know, in in a more clear way. And the other one was working uh, all the time or something like that. So now it's like all of those changes are really having an impact on, okay, but, you know, this is... Now that you're here you should help me with this. Or like now that you're here, like maybe you can do laundry or like, but really a lot of communication problems, which is a pretty common reason for, I mean, couples reach, reach out to us and a lot of them say, you know, we are finding that we have a really hard time talking to each other. Like it's, uh, you know, we, we get into silly disagreements and fights and it feels like, I don't know, like almost like we can find, 
things we had in common or like we almost wonder how did we get here, right? Like what's going on and... um, there's so much that you can do when, when you spend the past two years together, right? It's not that kind of like, even when you say kind of like, you can go on a vacation, like with the same person? Like, are you serious? No, no, no. I want to go by myself. Uh, yeah. But it brings up that communication that, that you, that you're talking about. I think it is essential because it has to do, if kind of like it always has to do with those boundaries in a way that disappeared pretty much overnight or gradually, depending on the situation, where basically people, they had to, before the communication was one person or the couple will live in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. They will go out, right? And home was really kind of like the central place, the place where you go back and you're, you're even in, in Manhattan, the island within the island, Right. And now kind of like what you saw is that, well, you're not, that person is no longer going, leaving. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me about your day. Well, you saw me kind of like, you know, (laughs) I went to the bathroom. I went to the kitchen. (laughs) I picked up a package from Amazon. It's kind of like, what else do you say to, to each other? And I think it's difficult for people to get to understand that. There has been a change, and it was a major change. We're not going to get into necessarily, uh, like I said, into the whole thing caused by the pandemic, but a lot of things have the society that we live today, we live in today, is significantly, it's very different than what we knew back in 2020 in February, and then March, everything changed, Mm -hmm. right? And it's very frustrating for a lot of people. It's kind of like, you know, it's really, from, from my point of view, it's also helping the couple right i'm not sure if you if you see the same thing helping the couple first realize that that change a change has occurred yeah. and it's not necessarily kind of like on the couple it's just that we as a society have changed yeah yeah it's like uh you know these have been real circumstances that have affected all of us in some way and of course our relationships too i was just thinking as you were talking about also the other piece about social isolation is also you know, people that do not have family close by, right? Mm-hmm. So sort Absolutely. of like losing that ability. I mean, for some time, I mean, we're now things are, are changing and thankfully, I mean, that's happening. But a lot of people also were, were away from their families or had like a lot more limitations to see their family. Like I, you know, I personally, like I, I wasn't able to see my dad for over two years wow. throughout this period. So, you know, those having some losses, right? right. Very grief. real losses and, grief. and grief about, you know, not, not being able to be around family. Definitely something also that affects, I mean, affects individuals, affects couples. Right. Because sometimes, you know, family can be source of the source of support, right? Or, or kind of like that's, that's how you take sometimes a little break because yeah. you can go on a date with your partner when, you know, your mom maybe is watching your kid or like, People have lost that too. And I, and I think with that loss, there's also, people forget, I see that quite a lot and I always have to break it down to the clients that I work with. They forgot that we're pretty much behind two years. So those two years that we've lost, and a lot of people feel that way, pretty much maybe you, some people had plans to kind of like, uh, some people got promoted even before the pandemic, right? Or some people were going to accept a job or, you know, they were going to go to college somewhere. I have a, a lot of uh, younger uh, clients who had certain plans. And then all of a sudden that changed. So overall, I see a lot of professionals really feeling I'm behind, 
I feel that I have to play catch up. Like I'm always catching up. I don't feel that I have the right credentials. I, I feel that already old kind of like to do a certain things. Think about, for example, kind of like, you know, in certain professions, there's a certain kind of like you're cert- sometimes you're limited in terms of what you can do, your career, right? So it's kind of like, I, I think that's important to always acknowledge and clarify again, normalize it, but not minimize it. If you feel that way, if you feel behind, if you feel that you're playing catch up, kind of like, we also have to acknowledge that that's there, first of all, but that's not necessarily the fact, due to the fact that you just didn't want to do anything. I know some people kind of like have also feel, you know, you you can self-blame. Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you see that quite a lot, people self-blaming or people kind of like feeling that they should have done more and everything. But first you gotta, I think it's important to acknowledge that lots of changes nowadays are caused by just kind of like the past three years. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, uh, as you're saying this, I was thinking, of course, we have been through a lot of loss, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the clients that we have seen have experienced these losses, but also, I mean, there's the other side of the coin, right? It's kind of like, there also has been Again, in the sense that being under this very unique circumstances mm-hmm. has made, you know, has kind of like made people face different situations. Like, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, some people have realized that maybe, you know, they're, they were really unfulfilled in their career and mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, I mean, thinking about everything that has happened, like they have been able to, let's say, enroll in a online class about something that they were very curious about. But, you know, because of time, like maybe before they never really allowed themselves to explore that. And it's like, so it's also, you know, it's kind of like the losses and some gains, like, you know, that people can kind of like maybe they had the opportunity in a way also to reevaluate and kind of like reassess a lot of what was already kind of like, a given, right? Absolutely. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the things that in in, in our field they're called reframes. Uh, kind of like, but a lot of times I see a lot of clients kind of like really not giving themselves credit mm-hmm. for a lot of the things that have been through. Yeah. And and I think you know we come up with reframes, which is an, a pretty much it's it's short for another way to look. You want to go from a, a, a negative to an kind of like a neutral and a positive. I have a number of clients who kind of like you really the work that we do is first to acknowledge that hey, tell me a little bit about that kind of like because I don't know, not not a lot of people can pull that off, mm-hmm. and and kind of like that helps the person. And the professional, because a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not good enough, which kind of like, I, I want to be respectful of the time here. But one of the things that I kind of like, I want to remind our audience, the fact that you are in the most competitive city in the world, mm-hmm. right? I always like to break it down. Like you're pretty much surrounded by lots of people who come here to be great, and it can be stressful, even if you already have kind of like, let's say, uh, a good education or you have, uh, you feel that you have a great work experience, yeah. right? So a lot of time people feel like, well, but I got to do more. I'm okay with doing more. But in doing more, it's also being aware of your mental health. 
yeah. and how much the city itself can also stress you out. And, you know, there's a combination of things, boundaries and uh, and things that, that we all have to communication, right? The reminder here is kind of like, it's like you are where all, where everybody comes to play. Yeah. Right. And, and, and talking about your, your experience as an immigrant, right. By the way, whether you're an immigrant or from out of state or even from a different borough, you could be moving from Long Island to the city. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think it puts us on the same level. You want to make kind of like, you want to do something. You want to be better than when you came in. Yeah. Right. And, um, we want to help you with that, right? We want yes. to help people. And we're going to have, I think, our, uh, we have a few guests line up in future podcast uh, episodes. But uh, one of the things is help the professionals that are struggling with certain things. And we're going to highlight what those things are and uh, invite guests over to speak about it and uh, provide with, you know, kind of like a list or maybe alternatives or kind of like resources, like you call them, mm-hmm. that can really make a difference. And, uh, you know, think can help you maybe think outside the box. Yeah. Um, I think we're right at the kind of like the top of the clock here. And um, thank you. We're going to do this again. What's our motto? To normalize, not minimize. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Rise to Change podcast. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit our website or find us on social media, which are linked in the description below, along with any resources we mentioned in this episode. Thank you for listening. And remember to always Always be be kind kind to to yourself. yourself.